Welcome to Owen and Brew's Barbecue. We're back, and uh, today's special, we're serving up deep-fried gourd, fresh from Mos Espa Market on Tatooine. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Matt. I'm joined by Nick and Chris from Boston is back. Yay! Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I couldn't make it last time. How was it? Right? This one you fell. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was when I fell, separated my shoulder in a big pile of sh- poop and um <laughs> and the Star Wars, uh what are you looking for there is poodoo poodoo all right yeah so yeah sorry about that I, I was i was absent last episode so long story short i had a sewage break backwater uh back backflow of of sewage water in my basement fell separated my shoulder and poop water and managed to completely uh total my basement so it's currently gutted right now waiting to be reconstructed uh thank you uh liberty mutual for my homeowner's insurance claim <laughs> Well, um, if, if you're not familiar with the, the rest of the guys on the podcast, uh, tune into the Jay and Jack Ramblecast. Uh, we are part of the Jay and Jack network of podcasts. So uh, if you want to help us out or help them out, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Jay and Jack, become a Patreon member. Um, we'll talk about that at the end, right? I'm, yeah, yeah. Or did you have more to say to that, Nick? No, no, I, I'm just, I'm picturing like if, if Chris was like a true, true like geek, you know, and like he's down at the in the basement with his insurance claim person, you know, and he's like, "This is a nineteen seventy seven Kenner with the card. It's worth <laughs> this." And they're like, and the guy's looking at him like on eBay, it says it's three fifty, guy. You know, like three dollars fifty cents. You know, he's like, "Yeah, but well, the no. card it's never been opened." <laughs> see, see I, I do have a bunch of things that are currently still in packaging that were in a bin that was did not come in contact with the uh, the wastewater. So. um yeah, so there there were some things that were salvaged, but my my basement was it w- was ninety five percent of my ah. daughter's playroom. So like, it was all my daughter's toys. So actually, for any dads, Star Wars dads out there, this is you know this is actually kind of a blessing in disguise because of the ninety five percent of my daughter's toys and stuff there in the playroom, ninety four point five percent of those things I wanted to get rid of anyways. Now I just get to get paid for it, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and and she can get new new toys that are of her age now, right? Yeah, it's called an iMac. Um so yeah, it, I'm, I'm no I'm I'm pumped because we're we're they they've gutted the basement. I had the you know the they cleaned it all up. It sterilized the whole nine. Um, but everything's kind of pulled out of there, so we're gonna have a contractor come in. I'm gonna get a brand new basement, and I might make myself a little corner studio um, under the stairs, Harry Potter style, um, nice. some soundproofing. So that's the idea. That's the plan. We'll see how it goes. You know, if again, you know, if anyone who you're listening who's married, you know that uh, you're. I'm probably not gonna be able to deal with all of that. And my ideas of a, a studio town or any type of man town uh, configuration <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, will be thrown out the window and put towards something that I really don't want. So we'll see. Well, good, keep you posted, though. Well, good luck. I, while you've been dealing with that, I've actually been renovating my own basement, and uh, oh, nice. that's why I have paint all over my hands. So nice. uh, yeah. So, um, but you know what's not been completely renovated, or uh, what I should say is beautifully shot by Annie Leibovitz was the Vanity Fair article. Uh, I'm jumping into our news <laughs> and notes with a segue. I don't know how I can stay on track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic segue. Thanks. Um, If uh, Nick, did you get a chance to take a look at those pictures? I did. The pictures are absolutely great. You know, uh, 
I didn't read all of the article, but I, I did read the majority of it. Just, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm at that, I, do I want to read about it or do I not want to read about it? You right. know, because like, the trailers, it's all up to me and my interpretation. But, like, I don't want to read details and go into the movie thinking it's already going to be this or it's not going to be this. And sure. So, so if I, the picture's fine. So I'll just kind of skim it. You know, if Mark Hamill says something, then I'll read that. But that's really about it. I just I, I'm, I'm here. I'm with you on that. I, I I read the article actually, and there were some things that I was like, I don't know if I wanted to know that yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I skimmed through that article, and I'll tell you, like, man, that's a nerd article. It's a geek article. It really is. And I, I got to a point where I was like, I need to stop reading this because it's getting way too um, not revealing, but just like, I don't know. It, it just, I, I didn't want to read it all. And I did exactly the same thing. I skimmed through it. I checked out the parts from Mark Hamill. I checked out the picture of, of Daisy Ridley, who wielding her lightsaber and was blown away. Uh, I, I love her very, very much. Um, I, I think it's right now, it might be a tie for me between Daisy Ridley uh, as Ray versus Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. My two, oh. my two loves right now. Wonder Woman. Uh, well, I when I look at her, though, a Wonder Woman gal we got, like, she's 33 and has two kids, and she still looks that hot. I'm like, Unreal. Wow. Like, she is fantastic. Uh, anyways, I digress. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah for, for those of us that haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. Oh. <laughs> you you, like you to. need to. You I, need I to. Because it's, it's literally, the, it's, in, in my opinion, it is the best DC movie. I've I've considered taking my daughter to see it. So because hey, it's it is a super woman, right? So it's it's, it's a superhero movie, you know, based around a woman. I don't know. It seems seems right up her alley. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we, this is definitely not the Wonder Woman cast, but um, <laughs> I, I will say that, like you know, I ha- I have to share this part. You, you know, uh, here we are. Here's the tie back into to Star Wars. So you know, like when you're when you're watching a movie or and you get really excited about a scene, you're almost like giddy, like oh, it's just so cool. And the the two examples I give for this are like number one in the Avengers movie where all the Avengers worked together and they're actually like u- using each other's like, you know, superpowers where like Iron Man was using the shields of blah, 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 all this type of stuff. Like I just got like this goosebump. I'm like, this is such nerdy crap. This is awesome. Like I'm, I'm loving this. Like, I get like all like goosebumps and going back to star Wars uh, during the scene when all of a sudden Dooku is like, Hey, well, how you doing with the lightsaber? And all of a sudden Yoda busts out his lightsaber. You get that like giddy feeling like, Oh my God, here he comes. It's Yoda. He's going crazy. The dude dropped his cane. He's flipping through backflips. All like, you just get that, like, that, that, that like giddy, like goosebumpy feeling when you're watching it. The best way I can describe it is I got that like five or six times during Wonder Woman. Nice. And it was during all of the fight scenes. And I was reading uh, an article that somebody had written about it. And they were saying like how they actually were drawn to tears when watching it. That's a bit much. Um, I think I wasn't drawn to tears, but I got like not choked up. But I got that this weird feeling like, oh, my God, this is so rad. Like it was it wasn't for me so much as the the liberation of like a, a woman in, in a superhero role more as it's just, I don't know. It, I just got so geeked out about it. And like the fight scenes were fantastic. Um, and at the end of the day, you're right. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a female superhero movie that 
Um, Gal Gadot did a phenomenal job representing Wonder Woman, in my opinion. And I actually posted on the Jay and Jack patrons group, or no, actually on my on my own my own page of this dude giving a review of uh, of Wonder Woman, and it's it's fantastic. It's a guy giving his like his his in the car just got out of the movie theater review going like just going crazy with his review with his review of the movie it's hysterical so i'll post well, that yeah. in the patron group as well and for more on this we're going to talk about we're going to review wonder woman on the next week's ramble cast so that's right so if you uh have not listened to the ramble cast want to know about wonder woman check it out next week's episode to segue Back to Star Wars. That's why I ended yeah. that. <laughs> you, know what, yep. you know what's not as like, that didn't get me excited, and uh, I know yeah. Nick had that same feeling, Yeah, uh, is, the, is the Mark Hamill quote uh, uh, concerning The Last Jedi. So uh, there was an article on Blaster about this. Um, he said, I at one point had to say to Ryan, I pretty much fundam fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for this character. Now, having said that, I've gotten this off, gotten it off my chest, and my job now is to take what you've created and do my best to realize your vision. Yeah, so that that was because you you both know that like I was not a fan of the Force Awakens, and I'm already going into Episode Eight with a little bit of hindrance. And to read that was like, oh, crap. Because if, if the guy who has breathed this character for, what, 40 years, right. probably 41 since 1976, really, for him to say that was just like, oh, no, oh, no, what have they done to Luke? You know, <laughs> I, I mean, because I mean, it could do, it could be anything. Yeah, like he probably is going down a darker path, but like, is he mm. still not Luke? Is the character just lame now? Does he die? Does he die in a lame way? Like, there's so many things that have, could have gone wrong. And that really worries me. Well, in fairness, there, there it was also kind of taken that that quote was definitely taken out of context. Um, so I believe prior to that quote, it says that was his reaction from the first initial script, the first draft of the script. Right. That, but since that, you know that that outburst or whatever, could, first of all, could you imagine being Ryan Johnson? And, and, and is that Johnson right there? Yeah. Johnson? Yep. Could you imagine having? Mark Hamill be like, dude, your idea sucks. <laughs> like, for my for Luke, for Luke Skywalker, your idea right. sucks. Like, could you imagine the pressure that one must have? Like, he probably gets that all the time from all these crazy, you know, actors. So, so, fun, so but, 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 dude, but, but, Luke Skywalker's Mark Hamill telling you that like your idea is terrible. It's not great. That must have been a punch to the gut. But he did state that since then he's had time and, and other drafts have been, have been written that he is now very pleased with, I believe was the quote pleased with. So yeah, I, I'm going to take that quote with a grain of salt and see what happens. But you wonder though, like how, how, cause they even Disney admitted or, or Lucasfilms admitted after this was released that I think not really begrud begrudgingly, admitted it that they have no vision they had no idea what episode eight and nine were going to be like no plan whatsoever yeah, that they because they, 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 they just wanted to make episode seven which was a nostalgia film and that's it and they've let the two directors and their production teams pretty much write episodes eight and nine and i'm just i'll let you speak here in just yeah. a minute but like uh because chris usually interrupts me with everything uh <laughs> is that you would think i know if it was me and i'm writing a screenplay and we do have a, a time to do it, to build it up, I'm going to at least show 
stuff to Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and be like, what do you think of this? You know the character better than I do because you freaking created the the character. Um, do you see Luke saying this or how can we twist this line? You know, because I mean, because a lot of Harrison Ford's best lines he just made up on set. So it's like let let these actors who know the characters have a little bit of input. I just imagine Harrison Ford in, in Episode Seven. If he made up his lines, it would just be like, "Oh, just let me die." <laughs> um, I just wanted to tag on to what you were saying, though, and uh, this this is kind of brought up in that Vanity Fair article that we kind of glossed over. But uh, Ryan Johnson goes into a lot more detail about the freedom that he had to write. Like he was just like, "Wow, uh, I basically have a blank check. I can do whatever I want." Um, and it's also interesting to note that he is the only name on the screenplay, uh, whereas with Force Awakens you had, well, there's several different uh, people to get credit for the, the uh, screen, uh, the screenplay. So uh, now I, I don't know. Um, we haven't seen it yet released, so we don't know if there's going to be another name other than Ryan Johnson. I know that he also met heavily with the story core, the story group that um, Kennedy had put together. Um, so there's a, like a story group of like people, there's like 11 people. I don't know. It sounds like, uh, the Jedi council, but they, hmm. they keep the, the, the core continuity of all the comics, all the books and all the video games. Um, which I guess their job got really easy once Disney bought it, you know, they were just like, Oh, oh yeah, no, we're going to delete all these things and call them legends. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, I just was surprised that Ryan Johnson had that much carte blanche to do what he wanted. Um, and uh, some other things that he had said about his approach was to take these characters from Seven and say, okay, now I'm going to put them in a completely different, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically kick out the, the legs out from under the table for every character. That was his approach to the writing. So uh, that might make you a little squeamish or it might make you excited if you didn't like The Force Awakens. Yeah. Well, like I said, like my hope is because like, I don't like The Force Awakens. I'll probably never watch it again. Uh, I've seen it three times or four times, probably more than that. But like, I just every time I watch it, I don't like it. I'm really hoping I can just w skip from six to eight directly to eight and be like, okay, <laughs> like it's it's good. <laughs> um, I, I got I, I got to tell you one one of my favorite parts about that Vanity Fair article are the parts that I, I actually did read about half of it. Um, they did a really eloquent job of pretty much saying that uh, Mark Hamill was a fat bastard coming to the <laughs> Yeah, I did read that um, part. <laughs> they, they, they painted words pretty beautifully. Um, but essentially, he was just... And he, even he said in his interview that when he found... found. Oh, I, I think we lost Chris. Yeah, yeah your audio uh, cut out. I'm going to improv... I'm going to... Improv? Improv what he... Chris, can we hear you again? Oh, no, I'm sorry. So what he was going to say, though, is uh, that when he found out he was going to be in The Force Awakens, he basically started dieting. And, yeah. uh, and then he, he finally got the script, and he realized that he wasn't in it <laughs> until yeah. the very end. And he was kind of like, I did all of this dieting. Oh, oh Chris. Chris. Hey. Yeah. Hey, yeah, so you're right. You, you did a pretty good job of what I was about to say. You did all this <laughs> dieting. And then but he, he got the, the notification or whatever. They told him that for the next episode, they're going back to that island. And he's like, son of a... 
like I, I was told I didn't have to go back to that island because he they did there's no helicopter landing pad. They had to get off of a boat and he had to climb and hike up this mountain. He's like, he took me like every ten every ten minutes he had to stop and take a fifteen minute break. So he was uh he was none too happy to return to that that, that island. So hopefully uh for Luke's sake he gets off the island in the next movie and we get to see him on a different set. Uh, what, what yeah. would you what would you guys' opinion be if if they killed Luke? Oh, I kind of expect it. I say I don't want it to happen because I can't. Well, we just yeah, I, can, I can he just make it? it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I expect it, but I don't expect it in this upcoming movie. Okay, so my my whole thing was that I after they killed Han, uh, I pretty much thought okay, and they they pushed Luke to the end. I thought okay. They're gonna dole out the main, the main uh, characters, and uh, episode eight will be Luke's story, and then episode nine will be Princess Leia's story or General Leia's story. And uh, there is a quote from her. Uh, I guess I guess Ryan Johnson and and her became really close. That was the other thing that was in that Vanity Fair, yeah. uh, and she basically took him aside at the end of eight and said, I better be front and center. Or no, maybe she said this to uh, uh, Trevorrow. Uh, yeah, the director. Yeah, but she basically said, I better be front and center in nine. And from what all the rumblings are, the rumors, is that she was. She was going mm-hmm. to be have a bigger role in nine. So, which kind of goes with my theory is like, are they killing them off in each one? And, you know, um, I did... Oh, go ahead, Vic. Well, no, no. It's uh, I, I could see it where they could, like, like Chris said, like they could kill, like she said, basically. And the way I read it was that you know Harrison was the the main of the old trilogy in the Force Awakens. Luke Mark Hamill is in the Last Jedi, so I better be the centerpiece, or at least the trend the way it looks. I should be the centerpiece of the last one. And they basically told her, "Yeah, you are," which was great. But I can't see them killing her off. I could totally see her because she's just the general leading the resistance. You know, you could finally see her at the end becoming the new uh, uh, chancellor or whatever, you know, or Hmm. at least being in charge of the government. Uh, I could see that, or at least that's what they were going probably for or something. But I I can't see them killing off Leia, really, you know. But I, you know, there's so many things I would have liked better, you know, like if, you know, if. Kylo would have gotten the best of Luke or something or Han. And then like all of a sudden you've seen Leia actually use her limited force abilities or something. Like I would have enjoyed that a lot more than some political now, thing. Did, did you read the, uh, the comments from uh, Mark Hamill about how he wanted there to be a reunion an on-screen reunion? Did he, did you there see should be, Yeah, you? that was, yeah, that was an article like a, a few months back that he yeah. said that he thought that a force awakens was a missed opportunity. And I totally agree with him in that because that you you never see an on-screen reunion with the original cast. But he had a rewrite, kind of like your prequel rewrite. Oh, did he? Yeah, his rewrite was that that uh, that he would they would both sense like Luke and Leia would both sense that Han was in danger. They would show up. Leia would be like captive, and Luke would save her, and they would get to Han just in time to witness him dying. And that that would be a lot more uh, it would. than even Chewie growling, which, you know, is kind of funny that you like threw shade at Chewie. Well, that, uh, that, that's Chewie's no. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's a no in every episode. So the person who gets to say yell out no is Chewie. You know, he finally got his, his due. I think there's a the in every movie, too. <laughs> a the? <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Um, anyway, um, other comments though about about any of this, uh, I guess Luke Luke dying theory. Okay. Uh, I had uh, a couple other notes here before we get to our main discussion for uh, uh, to this episode's topic. Um, uh, one was the uh, Trevor O. Hi, I'm never going to know how to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, quote about Fisher. He said, uh, she was a major character, that's no secret, she really was, and it was extremely sad for all of us, mostly just because she was so loved to, by the Star Wars family and everyone that worked with her. Um, I feel like our options are limited mostly by ourselves, in that there are cer only certain things that we are willing to do, but I can guarantee you that it will be handled with love and respect and all the soul that Carrie Fisher deserves. Um, uh, I just, I don't know why I threw that quote in there, because I don't have a good segue to the next thing. Which... Well, it's just true. I mean, it's just, you know, out of respect for her. And it's, it's just a tragic thing because, like, like we've been saying, episode nine was supposed to be around her, and now we'll never see what that could have been. Yeah, or how they're going to do their send-off. And I think yeah. we'll probably, I, I, you know, obviously we're going to have to wait until probably like 2020 when once all three of these, this trilogy is out, then we'll finally probably start to hear like, well, what we were going to do is, mm -hmm. kind of like at the end of Lost, we got to hear all of the, well, what we had in mind was, hmm. uh, so. They were, they were dead the whole time. Don't even get started. Luke, Luke was dead the whole time. You think these really <laughs> happened? <laughs> this is part of the legend series. Well, this goes with this uh, old school fan theory from 1980. It's been making the rounds right now that suggested that Obi-Wan Kenobi was a clone of Jesus. <laughs> he does have the Jesus look. Uh, I just, I, I, this was too good to pass up. If you want to know more about this theory, uh, I'm sure you can probably find more, but I just thought that was hilarious. Or don't. <laughs> I don't. I mean, what more do you need to know, right? Somehow it had to deal with that all Jedis were clones of Jesus or something like that, but uh, I don't his know. Midi, his chlorine count was really high. I don't understand who that made this fan theory and was like, wait, a long time ago. Hmm. So somewhere Star Wars takes place between the birth of Jesus and <laughs> 1980. Uh, go figure. There's, there's some Bible math for you. But he can, he can turn blue milk into wine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I, know there's, I know there's probably some more Star Wars news we could get to, but uh, I did have this main, main discussion topic. It was, it was floated by Jay. Uh, last uh, episode that we did, um, and that is uh, the dark times of Star Wars, this period of time where there were no movies. Uh, for all we knew, you know, we had the original trilogy, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi ended in 1983. I, for one, can paint you a certain picture of a boy walking out of the theater with his dad, and my dad turns to me and says, well, that's it. It's done. It's over. And I'm just like crushed. I'm just floored. I'm seven. This can't be it. This cannot be the end of Luke. And uh, and it was for a really long time. Uh, it's it's hard to imagine, but picture if you will that slowly things start kind of like the faucet starts to kind of slowly turn off. Uh, 1984, you have the Caravan of Courage, the Ewok Adventure shows up on TV. I'm 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 like giddy. You know, it's like I'm still a kid. Uh, it's Ewoks. It's Star Wars. It's on around Thanksgiving. Sure, put me in front of the TV. I'm gonna watch it. Uh, 
there were still action figures on the shelves in 1984. There were still video games being released um, through Atari. Um, well, well, I'll tell you, man, you go back to 84, and the, those are the times, like the Ewoks, the Battle for Endor, and um, the other one. What's the other one? Car- um, so Caravan of Courage came out first. Caravan of Courage. Yeah. Right, Battle with, and, then, and then with Wilford Brimley, um, yeah. th- those those are the movies or shows that we all watch as kids, but we, we but we fail to actually admit them when we're adults um, <laughs> because they were absolutely terrible. They they were bad. They were bad, bad, bad movies. But you're right. When we were kids, when we were younger, you sit me down in front of that, and I, I watched it over and over again. Like yeah. I mean, but man, they were just. Bad, bad, bad products of the 80s. To even give you just a little glimpse of what happened in these movies, you have a character named Mace, of all things. Uh, Right. There was was an original Mace before Mace Windu. And Cinder, Um, right? Or Cindel. um, Cindel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spoilers, I guess, for the Ewok adventures, if you don't want to know what happens. But, uh, you know, in the battle for Endor, they pretty much kill off the entire family. (gasps) <laughs> Shocking! I mean, this is a kids show, but yeah, like her family's gone, and all she gets is uh, Wilford Brimley, as you said, and a couple Ewoks. Yeah. Um, apparently, the original this this these two movies were, as Lucas put it to the director, they were supposed to take place at like a hundred years after. Can you imagine? That? Really? Yeah, a hundred years after Return of the Jedi. That was his initial um, thought. Hmm. Um, and they still had those terrible orange jumpsuits. <laughs> they did. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to, you know, kind of walk you through the 80s as, as the faucet is being slowly turned off. 1985, we get the battle for Endor. Uh, but Ewoks and Droids is a cartoon. Uh, and I, I love Droids, mainly because of the theme song, uh, which apparently was written by the bass player from Police. Uh, mm. Of all things, I know uh, the things that you learn when you research stuff. Yeah. Uh, but '85 also has the end of the action figure line. The Kenner oh. action figure line ends in '85 with the Power of the Force series, 15 action figures, uh, including the Yak Face that was never released in the U.S. Uh, you get the Ewok action figures, Droid action figures. I was still pretty much glued and hopeful that there was still going to be more Star Wars at some point. Um, but droids slowly ends as well. There was only like 13 episodes. Ewoks was more popular, went for two seasons, about 20 episodes or so, 22 maybe. I'm um, curious though with these Ewok movies because like, you know, that's the reason why Jedi is such a, a different movie from Empire and the original Star Wars is that, you know, Lucas saw the potential for money in marketing and marketing for kids. And that's why he switched it from Wookiees to Ewoks. And I wonder if this was like a continuation of him to kind of see if this will, you know, really take hold of like, oh, I can get this kind of going to where it's like a Teddy's Bears thing or not Teddy Bears, uh, uh, Care Bears yeah. or, or a Transformers thing where I can have my own little kid thing going and it'll just keep going. But, you know, he wasn't involved with a lot too because I think he was of two minds. He's like, I don't want to be always known for Star Wars. So he didn't really have his hands totally in right. it. But he also wanted – the legacy to continue. Yeah, he had he pretty much had a kind of a hands-off approach on some of these things. Although uh, I know the Ewok movie was was filmed on Lucas uh, Skywalker Ranch, basically like all around that that whole area. It was pretty much kind of a on-property kind of um, 
low budget. It was also released in Europe as a movie, and I think in Australia. Um, I don't want to go into too much details about the Caravan of Courage because there's a lot more to get to here. Um, as far as as this stuff kind of gets doled out, you know, it's like slowly start things start to kind of disappear. 85 is really kind of the last year that you have really good Star Wars stuff out. Like I said, you had droids, Ewoks cartoon. Um, I'm thinking, hey, this is going to last forever. Kenner actually wanted to keep the line going and have a storyline. They had designs that Tarkin was going to come back. They wanted to do a whole story about that he had another battle station. Um, that how's was all mixed. How did he come back? He got blown up. <laughs> I don't know. I guess in that second between him looking and thinking, yeah, he goes to a shuttle and escapes. Like, hmm, maybe there mm -hmm. is a. Mm -hmm. So, uh, eighty six though is really kind of uh, yeah. Uh, droids goes off the air. There's no novels. There's no video games. There's no action figures. Um, the last issue of the Marvel <laughs> Star Wars series uh, ends in eighty six. Uh, the Marvel comic series is something that I relished as a kid as well. Um, I liked seeing, reading some of those different adventures. Um, I've still got a couple issues of mine. I, um, yeah, it's, if you wanted more stories, that, that was it, really. Um, I mean, they had those Lando novels that came out in 83, um, and they had the Han Solo novels um, that came out earlier, but there was really not a lot. Um, and then in 87, you have the 10 year anniversary, which actually had a convention, mm -hmm. but, uh, other than star tours coming out, which was uh, awesome. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, that was, it was still a life of pulse, a life beat. Well, I remember the first time I went to Disneyland was in 1988 and I remember waiting in line for yes. ever. Yes. For, for, for to ride Star Tours. And then immediately you want to go back to the end of the line. Of course, your dad's like, I'm not waiting in this line again. You know, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, know, right not, you, you. you can actually watch the original Star Tours on YouTube, I think. it's on. You just look it up, like, what's the original Star Tours? It's changed now. And it's so – because I hadn't done it since probably 93 or 94. And I watched it again and going like, holy cow. Like, it was exactly the way I remembered it. But you forget little things like I didn't realize that Pee Wee Herman, or at least a guy trying to be Pee Wee Herman, no, was the I, voice was, of the droid. I, no, I, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, it's, it's of, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's his, what's his name? Yeah. Ruben? Something? Yep. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Paul Ruben. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, holy cow. Because you know, it made total sense. Because in the 80s, I mean, he was the guy, the go-to guy for kids yeah. entertainment. So it makes sense to have him. But then you also forget how short that ride is because it's like, oh, yeah. you know, they're just spitting people out of, you know, in and out real quickly. I mean, I was like, wow, how long, no telling how long in line you waited for what, oh, a minute ride? Do you remember <laughs> all of the fun stuff that they had in there? Like when you were waiting in line, there was like a oh, yeah. CP3PO that was talking to you. There was videos. There was uh, – the, the line was like trying to just keep you entertained because it was so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, – 87 also saw the release of the role-playing game, um, which uh, I didn't really know about at the time. Uh, it was something that I discovered in 1990 or 1989. I still actually have uh, some of these um, role-playing games. Uh, Whoa. The role-playing game book so itself. So nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding it up here. Uh, yeah, for those, for those listening at home, uh, Matt just held up a couple of his uh, role-playing game um, source books 
source books. So like yeah. you're like the dungeon master of the of the the federation. I never played. I've never played the game. The reason why I loved these, and I and I and I really did. I I found these at a at a hobby store one time in like 1990. Um, they have tons of stories and breakdowns of all of these characters. If you wanted a story about uh, you know what happened to Boba Fett on his way to deliver Han Solo, it's hmm. in there. If you wanted a, an he extra had a story, pizza. yeah, he's <laughs> like, I need some barbecue. Um, <laughs> it has backstories for uh, just about everybody that appears on screen, and. Um, it was really the, the the beginning of the extended universe, I should say, um, the EU. So, um, and and really, uh, you know, as things kind of move on, '87 there was one video game that was released in Japan only. Um, I think it was just called Star Wars. Um, but '88, moving forward, '89. There's hold really, on, uh, hold on, hold on, oh, hold yeah. on. Sure, yeah. You are omitting. Okay. One of the greatest things that came out of 1987, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I meant to put that on there. Spaceballs were, was released in uh, 1997. 87. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I say, no, I'm sorry. 87 uh, with the, the legendary Rick Moranis as Dark Helmet. Um, yes, uh, Burr and President Scroob as the, by none other than Mel Brooks himself. Um, John, John I, I don't, Candy I don't, is. I don't need to go through the cast. I think everyone who's listening and anyone who found Owen and Baru's barbecue and you're listening to this, 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 this podcast, I'm pretty sure you've seen Spaceballs. Um, and here's, here's a rumor for you. There might be coming out with a sequel. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really challenging because Mel Brooks hasn't written a screenplay in, what, 25 years? And you have John Candy's passed away, and so has uh, uh, the C-3PO. Joan uh, Rivers. Joan Rivers, yeah, has yeah. passed away. So mm-hmm. it's Dog going to be Matrix. interesting. Uh, I mean, I'd totally see it. Uh, yeah. Mel, I know Mel Brooks has been saying this for probably what five years that he wanted to make a Spaceballs too. You know the the uh, the quest for more money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what better time than now? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you remembered that. I actually wanted to put that on that list, and I and then I completely spaced it. Um, I space balled it. Um, <laughs> hello. hello. Well, it's like you know, there's another thing too because like you said, only one game in '87. But I remember, I guess it must come out in eight in '88 or '89. For the NES, playing Empire Strikes Back, not Super Empire Strikes Back, but the original Empire Strikes Back for the NES is one of the hardest games I've ever played in my life. Yes, the the uh, the Dagobah section. Yeah, the Dagobah. Yeah, I oh never got gosh. I never got past Dagobah ever. I well, I finally did, but yeah, like my friend and I, I mean, we like spent a whole summer just like endlessly playing that Dagobah. I don't know how many like sodas we drank playing that game, but uh, that actually came out in '92. Um, okay, I did, I did have was- it on the list. That was actually a Christmas of '91. I'm looking at the initial release date oh, from okay. uh, Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Well, excuse me. <laughs> oh, not Christmas. Oh, well, I, I'm I'm totally being uh, picky here. It was actually December 30th of 1991. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I thought it was a Christmas release, but it was literally like hours before the end of the year. What sucks about that is they never did a Return of the Jedi any for NES. Like they did Star Wars, they did Empire Strikes Back. 
And then, then they just moved on to Super Star Wars for SNES. Oh, and so then Super Empire, and then they did Super Jedi. But, uh, but those yeah, games are amazing. Well, like, those, I remember the NES one, though, you, to me, if you played it on the original controller, you couldn't play it at all. Like, you had to have, like, the, the, the Super controller that had the, the knob, and then you had the turbo buttons in order to kill, like, the, the Wampa. The, NES Advantage, thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> throws back his hair. <laughs> <laughs> or if you were looking at the budget, you got the NES Max, which was the handheld controller. Um, also had turbo <laughs> buttons. I clearly did not put enough um, video games on this list. I, I actually did print them out from working. Oh, uh, we're going to fill them in. Don't you worry. Uh, I will. I just want to go to 1991. Uh, and skip over 89, 80, 90. Uh, most interesting thing, I guess, about 1989 is it saw the most release releases of the Star Wars role-playing supplements and, and books. Um, and they, they continued to roll out. Uh, it's interesting to note that Zahn begins writing Heir to the Empire in 89. Um, but 91 is, like, I think the break and the ice. That's That's, like... You know, things start to, you can feel the thaw kind of starting to happen because Heir to the Empire, May 1st, is released. I don't know for, for any of you, for you guys, but for me, seeing that book, seeing that novel, reading it, and not being a big reader as a kid, but I was like, I'm reading that. I don't know what's, what's going to happen, but Luke's on there. Some guy that looks like Obi-Wan Kenobi's clone, which apparently he wanted to do. He wanted that to be uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's clone, um, but uh, Luke said, "Lucas said no. I've got plans for Obi Wan." So, um, but yes, uh, Heir to the Empire comes out, and it was really a break in the the, the freeze out, um, and slowly things started to get released uh, because you also had Star Wars for NES came out that year, as well as Dark Empire came out, uh, which uh, I remember seeing that in the comic book store and just being like, yes, finally, more Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that, yeah, you're right. I think uh, the Thrawn trilogy is what broke the ice. And then, and, you know, Lucas has said many times, 93 is the, is the year, though, that really made him go, okay, it's time to gear back up for Star Wars because CGI had been around for over a decade at that point, but it hadn't been really great. I think he said that like, Jurassic Park is seeing Jurassic Park was the movie that made him go, okay, it's time to make Star Wars again. And of course it was another seven years or six right. years before Phantom Menace. But it's just cause it, cause I remember him saying that, you know, about the, uh, the prequels that, you know, he, you know, cause he always, you never know if he's lying or what, but he was like, <laughs> Oh, well, you know, the prequels are, you know, supposed to be like a really these grand cities and all these things. And you know, the technology is not there for me to make them at this point. So that's why he waited so long. And, uh, which is, you know, it's kind of a, that's one of my also issues with the prequels is that he's so many wide shots to show how big the sets were. It was like, Oh, I don't always need a big shot of everything, but that's just me. So yeah, it was seven in seven whole years in between his inspiration from seeing Jurassic Park yeah. um, to making Phantom Menace. And the interesting thing is that Jurassic Park is still a far superior movie. Oh yeah, uh, I remember even thinking that ten years after uh, Jurassic Park came out, thinking the CGI is still holding up. It's still good, you know. Whereas in some movies, you know, like you look at. Uh, 
I can't think of the name of the movie. <laughs> but uh, there's so many CGI movies that came out after that are just so god awful. You're just like, what? You can just see all the pixelization, and it's just yeah. they just did it really quickly because the budget. I mean, I get it, the budget's not there, and of course it was Spielberg, and so Spielberg's always going to have the best. So let's round out the '90s here. Uh, <laughs> you said '93 is a seminal year for for Lucas. Uh, Jet Lucas uh, is actually born in '93. Uh, his son. Um, Super Empire Strikes Back comes out. The last of the the Zahn trilogy, The Last Command, comes out um, of the original Heir to the Empire series. I know he wrote more. Um, and then in November, a game that I really liked, Star Wars uh, Rebel Assault, was released. Um, and then Just Toys creates Star Wars Bendums, which uh, Jay was really excited about and had to uh, share an article <laughs> with us about that. Um, but it was a really good article, and it points out that there were no action figures on the shelves, and this Star Wars Bendums by Just Toys uh, is kind of the first action figures that uh, people get in a long time, even if they they were poorly made or uh, not poorly made. They, uh, some of them are better than others. I had a couple. Uh, you can actually still buy them on Amazon. You can go to jandjack.com slash Amazon, mm-hmm. and you can, you can search for those. <laughs> Uh, seriously, then they're, they're still cheap. I mean, unless you want the Boba Fett, uh, you can you can buy them for. I think the the R two was like three bucks or one of yeah. the, one of the figures I, I just looked the other day. Um, so you can get Darth Vader, uh, Admiral Ackbar. Um, it was kind of weird some of the ones that they created. Um, yeah, you're you're right though. There wasn't a lot of action figures because I remember I don't all the rich all the action figures I played with as a kid were the original series from the early 80s that I played with and the only thing Star Wars I remember playing with as a kid were micro machines that were Star Wars that oh, was, they right. weren't they weren't the the little car ones that you know were the original line they were like probably like 92 or 93 they were these rubberish X-wings that were just and I remember I had an X-wing and an A-wing and a little million falcon and I would play because they were just more for kids and that yeah that was to me was fun because he actually had ships, you know, because I had a star destroyer and all these things. And that's probably people have actually forgotten about those because I loved micro machines. You um, know, it's interesting going back to like all the, you know, we mentioned a decade prior to this year, but like when all the, the action figures were ceased to be produced and all the toys and such, which leads to, uh, kind of leads me to an interesting story about Boba Fett, for instance, right? So, Boba, the, why is Boba Fett so damn popular, right? So, I mean, if you looked at just the movies, mm-hmm. Boba Fett's on the he's he's on screen for maybe fifteen minutes, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And like, I think he's probably less, maybe like five, probably two, less. Two. <laughs> and and the only context that you get that you need to that one needs to fear Boba Fett is when, um when uh, Han Solo's on the deck of that above the Sarlacc pit. Right. And he's, um, and Wookiee says to him, Boba Fett's here. He's like, Boba Fett, Boba, Boba Fett. Like, like that's like literally the only context of how mm-hmm. BA, uh, we're supposed to believe Boba Fett is. Um, but what's crazy is that the, the whole craze of Boba Fett was built off of the action figures. Mm-hmm. Because they they marketed all those action figures to kids, and then these all, all these kids are buying them like crazy and playing with them, and they got to know the character through the figure before even seeing the movie, and then he wasn't in the in, in the movie really. That's true. 
I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's got a great design. He's spooky. Uh-huh. You know, he's got a gun. He's got a rocket pack. You know, everybody wants a rocket pack. But, you know, like, to me, also, there's also such a mystery around Boba Fett because he has s- such little time that no one knows anything about him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I met Jeremy Bullock uh, twice now, and he's one of the greatest guys if anyone ever has the opportunity to meet him. Um, and, you know, I asked him in 2007 about uh, Empire Strikes Back when Han's being tortured and he's just standing out there and then Lando comes out. And Lando kind of looks at him for like a half a second because I, mean, I think Billy D. Williams has just said like he walked out and was like, Who the, holy crap, like who's this guy like standing here? <laughs> but like, you know, he had to, to do it. But like Jeremy said like, oh, yeah, I was just standing there trying to look mean. Of course, I'm in a helmet so you can't see. But I was like, I'm trying to look mean. All of a sudden I see Billy D. Williams looking at me. So I just kind of like slowly just turned my head and look at him and then slowly turn it back. He's like, that to me was being scary. He's like, and it is. To me, it's a great little acting without acting. So it's mm-hmm. – but that's me. It, it leads to this whole mystery of who the heck is this guy? You know? I, right. I know. I know. Part of his character was based off of Clint Eastwood and the Man with No Name. So, uh, and I oh. think that there's there's a little bit of that that we can see in in Boba Fett. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a mystery about him. Um, and like him or love him, hate him. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, uh, he actually, actually, I'm going to cut both of you off for a second because I just, I just pulled this up as I was doing a little bit of research on the fly here. His, he was first, actually, his first uh, appearance in the Star Wars universe, uh, as we know, it was actually in the holiday special. Yeah. Yeah, the cartoon. Yeah. He's yeah. actually the only redeeming quality of the holiday special. The yeah. cartoon. Just the cartoon. Google, just YouTube the cartoon. That's the best part of that, that whole holiday special. But I thought you were yeah. going to say what I was about to say, Chris, is that, you know, he's it's actually interesting in empire is that he plays two characters in the empire strikes back. The actor, Jeremy Bullock plays two characters. And if you watch the scene where Han's already in carbonite and you know, and the whole Leia's like, it's a trap, you know, like the guy, the, the Imperial officer that's holding Leia, that's yes. Jeremy Bullock. That's right. <laughs> oh, no kidding. I, yeah. I do. I do remember reading that in some, some star Wars facts. That's. And so like, if you watch that scene and break it down, like, you never see them in the same shot. You know, it's like either you see Boba Fett walking with Han and Carbonite or you see the Imperial officer with Leia. Like you don't see them either. You know, they're not the same shot because they're the same person. And I was like, that's so cool. You know, people, a lot of people don't notice that. Um, to round out the nineties here and action figures and you know, this, uh, you know, to jump forward to 1995, um, 1994, the, you know, just to give you some context, there was six novels that came out. And start to see the pickup of novels, right, uh, that are being released. 1995, though, 10 novels, two video games, and basically 52 action figures between 95 and 96. 52. We went from nothing to just flooded. Almost as if somebody knew something was happening in the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, we think about two two years later, you have the re-releases, the special editions, and then two years after that, Phantom Menace. Right. And I and I and I, I, I picked the years 1984 to 1996 because there were, you know, there was no Star Wars, you know, other than Ewok movies. Um, you know, 97 is the re-release, and I think that the floodgates are definitely broken open at that point. And 96 was really kind of like the setup, right? You know, it's almost like a setup in a volleyball, and, and 97's the spike. But 96, of course, is Shadows of the Empire, uh, the book, a video game. And, uh, you know, uh, there's obviously toys that were related to Shadows of the Empire. Um, all of those came out 
and it, it was really market. There was even a soundtrack. Um, what, Nick, have you read Shadows of the Empire? Like, what did you did you like the story? Uh, no, I don't. I, if I have, it's been through like chronology or something like that. I don't think I actually sat down and actually read the the actual story. I, I will I will just be truthful and say that I never was a fan. Okay. Uh, I loved playing the video game. Uh, I, I really did. You know, it was like, you know, I just had fun with that, although it was a bit easy, <laughs> a lot easier than Empire for NES. Uh, but I just, I wasn't wild about the story. I didn't like the character, um, the the main villain and the character. I never liked the the whole Black Sun. Um, Black, okay, of, Black Sun, yeah. I yeah. And uh, Zizor or what happened? Zizor, yeah, I do. I do know that story. Yeah, yeah I, there were just certain things about it that I just it never really kind of captured my imagination. Um, one last key key note here to to point out in the, this you know to round it out is Return of the Jedi NPR drama is produced and released. Uh, the Star Wars and, and Empire uh, were produced through NPR back in the in the early eighties, I think. Empire actually came out in 83. Um, but the, uh, the radio dramas, if you haven't heard them, they're, they're a lot of fun. There's extra stories in there. Um, and uh, the Star Wars one is, is definitely worth listening to because there's, there's a lot more story um, in the Star Wars, Star Wars one. And Return of the Jedi actually incorporates um, some of the Zahn character of Mara Jade um, in the NPR radio drama retelling. So yeah, because um, she was she was supposed to be in Jabba's palace and all. Right. That. Yeah. Yeah. They they worked that into the NPR uh, radio drama. But uh, anyway, um, you know that that's pretty much catches us up to speed to those re releases to the the special editions. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw in another video game reference too that we were talking about briefly earlier. Um, and that oh, yeah. was the the release of the the X Wing series of PC games, um, which were games that I absolutely loved. And I you know I played them back um, in the DOS versions and as well as the the CD ROM versions that came out. The uh, <laughs> the the uh, was it the the collector's edition of the, the tie fighter versus x-wing but all those games you had, you had x-wing you had tie fighter you had tie fighter versus x-wing you had uh, x-wing alliance you had all of these games that were the um first person flight simulators yeah um in which you're flying around and taking out frigates taking out uh, transport ships the whole nine um i played those games for hours <laughs> hours you could play them for hours yeah you could, you really could. It's funny. I was mentioning to you guys earlier that I actually gained or not gained. I, I, all of my knowledge of the different ship classes that I know in the star Wars universe are attributed to playing those games. I got to learn about like, you know, shuttle Tiderian and I got to learn about this mm-hmm. transport, all the different frigates and the star destroyers and uh, you, you name it. Like it was, I learned so much because they, they actually put a lot of, you know, cannon you know, terminology into those games. It was a ton of fun. And, you know, in those games, like I said, like you couldn't do that today with even with today's technology. Like there's so many, like I remember one mission in X-Wing where, because you always had a little timer in the bottom of the screen. There was one mission that you would, you'd light speed into it and then you would just, you complete the mission, but you had like an additional 20 minutes on the timer. And I remember going like, why is there 20 minutes left on the timer? And if you waited long enough, 
this shuttle would appear out of nowhere. Yes. It's supposed to like meet up. And if yes. you, and if you either, either you did ion can it or blow it up and it would, and if you did it, you would like immediately win the medal of honor. You know, like, cause you had like this whole case that you had like medals from all the missions you did. And yeah. all that. That's what made you want to play. It's like, I want to get all the medals, you know? And yes, and that's me. Yes. So like, you would do that with every mission from that point on. Like, I'm going to let the, uh, you know, the, t- the clock go all the way down see if there's any more content in this, ep- in this mission or whatever. And, hmm. I mean, I loved X-Wing. It was so fun. Uh, and I really miss the, the spike flight simulator video games. You don't see them anymore at all. That's true. Yeah. You don't. It was, it was really something about those that nineties kind of era of, you know, uh, computer games. I, uh, one thing that I, I kind of thought of, you know, as, as Chris is explaining all of this and, you know, it kind of goes back to my love of the uh, source books from the role-playing games is that during this period of time, you know, star Wars fans in general, we were left to our own imaginations and we learned and we like fell in love with all of these other things, you know, whatever it would be, you know? So it's like, if you latched onto novels, if you latched onto the comic books, if you were, if you were just like, Oh, I just have to have toys to play with. uh, You found those little things that got you through, you know, and it, and I think in some ways kind of deepened your love for star Wars. At least it did. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, I, and like, I can hear that love from, from Chris as far as like those like flight simulators. And it's like you learn the canon. You learn kind of like the, you know, where there was only three movies to know. And well, it's kind of like, you know, go ahead. Well, that is exactly like, like it's exactly what Chris is saying. Like you learned so much as a kid playing those video games because like, like think about like uh, A New Hope when uh, I think it's Gold, Gold Leader says like put your shields to double front. Like what does that mean? But when you're playing X-Wing, you quickly learn what double oh, front yeah. means, you know, because like yeah. you, you have your shields and you have your deflector shields and you can say like just a single front, single back, double front, double back. And it's like, oh, I get what he's saying now. Oh, yeah, and, and, totally, man. And I, I, and I actually learned like the strategy of why they used different ships, which I th- it, which is completely nerdy. Like mm-hmm. th- that game taught me that if I wanted to get from point A to point B in the fastest way possible, you jump in your, you get, jump into an A wing and you fly. Mm-hmm. If you want to be the most versatile fighter on, on the map, you can jump into an X wing and you fly around and, and try to take out as much as you can. If you wanted to have, if you wanted to have like ground assault and be able to drop bombs on star destroyers and you want but you could move too fast. You jump into a Y wing and you, you drive, you cry, cruise past a star destroyer, and you just bomb the hell out of it. Like <laughs> literally, the last forty-five seconds of me talking is probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said. <laughs> but like, but that's what that. Those are the things that I retain. Those are things I remember. And and, and you're right, Matt. It, it totally ties into like, you know, the love of Star Wars and love of the Star Wars universe. Is that like we found ways in the in the dark ages, the dark years. We found ways to keep ourselves entertained. And to be honest, you know, I'm 37. I just turned 37 a couple of weeks ago. So I was born a week after Empire was released, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't grow up in the movie scene of going to the movies to see these films. I grew up watching them because my brother, who's five years older than me, did. And I lived vicariously through his movie going experiences with my dad. And 
absolutely through all the toys and stuff that we bought the action figures the games the 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 crappy halloween costumes that had like that elastic <laughs> band that tied around your back but you had like a almost like a, a freaking cardboard plate with a cutout of c-3po as your mask you know like those are the things that that really kept me going so what's crazy to me and you think about it and kind of to round out the conversation of the dark years is that we kind of made it our own mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like we yeah. kind of found our own way to to keep it going not realizing that we were keeping it going so i think that you know i think our generation and obviously the generation of people who have seen all these movies as they were released have a far deeper appreciation for what it's all about because man that, it was it was my childhood like that's that's what that's what we did oh it's well said and uh you know I, I hope it for maybe some of the younger listeners or, you know, uh, I'm sure there's some maybe even older listeners than, than, uh, than us uh, that can recall that period of time. But maybe we painted at least a picture in your mind as far as like there was a time in which you didn't know that Star Wars was coming back. You just yeah. didn't know. You know, you just you took whatever was, was kind of thrown at you. You were like, oh, well, there's a new novel? I'm reading this, you know, because there's nothing else. Uh, if you, that's the only way that you got to experience what was happening with Luke. So, um, and uh, I, I would, I would just at least, uh, you know, leave this to uh, the listeners. You know, if you have an experience, or you know, maybe, maybe, what was your uh, favorite period through those dark times? You know, um, send us, send us some feedback. The force is well done at gmail at gmail dot com. Uh, it's all spelled out. Force is well done gmail.com uh we couldn't make this show without chris coming up with these really cool names <laughs> uh i'm and, a neighbor what can i say <laughs> and we couldn't make it without the special help of our patrons so uh at this point i'd like to thank our top three patrons they they actually pay extra to make us say their names uh gun to our heads so blaster lightsaber to my back that is Molly the Millennial. I'll start with that with her. Tack from Tokyo and uh, Eckhart Richter. Eckhart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you, you for know what, everything. Yeah, I was going to say, ahead. you know, and the, the cool thing about Patreon, for those who might be new to the Jane Jack Network um, or have found us through other means, you know, all of the shows on the Jane Jack Network, including this one, Owen and Brews Barbecue, are all free. You know, we, we, we produce these shows and you can listen to them at no cost. Um, but we do offer a way for you, the listener, if you choose uh, to help contribute to, you know, the things like the cost of running the Jay and Jack productions, uh, of hosting the all different shows that we have, like for the leftovers, Jay and Jack's um, um, uh, Ramblecast. We look at Ona Baru's, the broadcast. Oh, and um, Nick, Game of Thrones podcast Game of Thrones coming, Thrones up. coming back. If, if you like Game of Thrones, Nick does an excellent job on the Game of Thrones. So I try. for sure. So we, we also like to kick back a little bit of, um, of of cool stuff for you guys. So if you do decide that you want to join uh, and become a Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash J and Jack uh, and contribute as little as a dollar a month. But uh, things like, for instance, if you, if you donate $5 a month, you're able to jump into the J and Jack patrons group on Facebook in which we do uh, live broadcasts of certain shows and such. It's, it's a great community. And, uh, you know, we, we couldn't do it without the support of the listeners who, uh, who do support us through Patreon. So thank you to all the active Patreons and uh, welcome to the potential new ones.
Yeah, and if you don't want to do that, again, I, I plugged it earlier. If you if you need to get a Bendem, a Star Wars Bendem toy for only three bucks, jump on to jandjack.com slash Amazon. It'll take you to the Amazon link, and we get a little kickback from that. So Maybe that's, maybe that's what we should offer. Like If you become a patron, we will send you a free Bendem action figure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good idea, Nick. Let's brainstorm this. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to look up uh, which which bendums are available in our price range. Yak so, face. <laughs> yeah, yak face bendum. Too bad they never made that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that is our show for this week. Um, we will be back again. Who knows when? Who knows where? But uh, we like to kind of keep this uh, uh, podcast, uh, you know, sporadic. So we like to you know kind of give you the news notes and. Uh, Hopefully we'll have another topic to uh, kind of dissect and talk to you guys about. So thanks for joining us this week. Uh, great show, guys. It's one in a million. He's on mute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a good show. Damn it.